0: Feral Audio. Oh, hi. It's time for another episode of Drew Drogi's Minor Revelations. How are we this week? Um, I'm doing my solo show right now. It's called Bright Colors and Bold Patterns. And it's a lot of fun. It's exhausting, and I've been doing it a lot. But it's 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 my favorite thing in the world to do. It's it's all about Palm Springs and friendship and gay marriage and cocaine and check out brightcolorsandboldpatterns.com. dot uh, And then if you're in New York, I'm doing it at the Barrow Street Theater where I did it briefly in September. I'm doing it in December from December 15th through the 30th for three weeks So at the Barrow Street. So if you're in New York over the holidays, please come visit me. Say hi afterwards. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I, I may mean, I not even know who you are, but I want to hear what you think of the theater uh, with, with, uh, with me. I have no ending that. But anyway, when I, when I, uh, got the deal to do this, I had to tell my family that I was, uh, not going to be able to spend Christmas with them, which is a big deal. Cause we, every year, obviously it's <laughs> not like I'm the only one with that tradition in the family, but we, um, get together. I only see my family twice a year. Luckily I will be able to see them earlier in December for a bit of time, which I'm really happy about. But we almost always had holidays at home in the Carolinas. It was kind of always the thing. Um, So I don't know. I mean, growing... Okay, let me just say this. Growing up, I wanted to be kidnapped. I... Okay, I had seen all the movies. I knew how it worked. I always wore sweatshirts and book bags with my name emblazoned on easy-to-read font you know, so that my captor would know his line. He would he would say, hey, Drew, your shirt says Drew. Hey, Drew, your parents are sick. Come into my cutlass, whatever. And then, I don't know, I wanted him to give me drugs and change my name and make me rob banks with him. But, you know, instead, I was forced to live a stable childhood, kidnap-free, with parents that loved me. And, Every Christmas, I I really hoped that a deranged maniac who worked in a doll factory would creep down our chimney and hack us to holiday bits. But no, instead we watched Webster. Um, Being a Presbyterian in North Carolina meant wearing a maroon sweater, holding a burgundy hymnal, and lighting a crimson Advent wreath. Hallelujah, he is born. The best part of the holidays was seeing my cousins, who always had a new gimmick. They were sisters. One year, they were witches, and they showed us their candles. Uh, Another year, they were bulimic, and they taught us how to do it. Uh, In 1990, they were stoned bisexual cutters. I mean, they were way ahead of their time. They were my kind of fucked up. They were... Wonderful. I mean, I knew they were lying, but I didn't care. I mean, that was far more interesting than hearing my aunt talk about her recipe for agamoni pie, which is macaroni and cheese, or bowl cuspy, which is boiled custard. You know, it, it, yeah, in the South, we have like cute names for everything because labeling anything what it actually is is considered arrogant. One holiday, dad got our family Amtrak train tickets. I was sure I was going to cavort with boxcar hobos and murderous heiresses and international spies, but we got confused on the dates. We missed our trip and we went home. So it was a big deal in 1992 when Christmas was going to be different because that year dad took the drogies to the Caribbean on a royal princess cruise. Maybe I'll finally get kidnapped and beaten into a street gang in Grenada or become an expatriate in Venezuela. I mean, I was 15 years old and life was about to begin. We got on the ship. My first observation was that all the passengers looked weird and wanted to eat at midnight. Europeans, my dad explained. There was so much food, like buttered lobster buffets and porterhouse breakfasts and bottomless pork. But my favorite delicacy was the virgin piña colada powdered coconut milk, concentrated pineapple juice, with strawberries and a sugared rim. I had five before we left the port in Aruba. Um, on the first night of the cruise, I stay up late so that I can go to the midnight Spanish Creole crab buffet. Um, and I'm also hepped up on pounds of corn syrup and just, you know, excitement about the violent criminal life that I'm about to start. The buffet is a menagerie of steaming meat, forced laughter, the garish sounds of Buster Poindexter's hot, 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 and a conga line. At the head of the line is her. I never got her name, but I just knew that it had to be Susan. She's about 40. She has a tight tangerine bob. Countless island inspired wrist adornments, red Sally Jessie Raphael glasses, and a wrap dress pulled across her offensively skinny skeleton. Screaming, ole, 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 wildly cackling like it's her job, just clumping across the north deck in bedazzled flip flops, Susan owns this Conga line. Susan owns the night. Susan owns my heart. I sit down with my eighth virgin PC and just drink her in. She's with a much older man who mildly smiles at her, buys her lots of Smirnoff, and paws at her while shoveling corn into his mouth. I decide that in the outside world, Susan is a secretary and the. Toledo, who's having a raunchy ocean affair with this man. She'll never be his wife, but she doesn't care. She's winning. No one's having more fun in this moment than Susan, the conga sensation. On the day that we docked in Caracas, Venezuela, we were told that this stop, that, you know, on this stop, we could not leave the guided tour. There was lots of political unrest. You can't go there now. And this is 92 and even then police were carrying machine guns. Uh, there were, you know, literal mountains of trash. It was awesome. It was it was it was wonderful. So I walk through the dangerous and nasty streets listening to the dull woman tour guide talk about Simon Bolivar, intent on finding an opportunity to run away and, you know, join a band of infidels. That's what I really wanted. But really, All I can think about is Susan. I mean, she'd make this tour a lot more fun. We get back on the boat, as my mother talks about how terrified she was the entire time she was on South American soil, and my pudgy ass goes straight to the bar. After ordering my frozen fat drink and charging it to my room, the most dangerous thing I did all day, I turn around, and there she is, sprawled out on a lounge chair, passed out, and her face was wrapped in a t-shirt by bum equipment. Susan lives! I watch her for a long time, but she doesn't move. She's resting up her energy for a night that she's about to devour. Sure enough, at the twilight Mediterranean sturgeon roast, she's queen of the bottle dance. I watch in awe as she captivates the room with her twists and grunts. By the way, I remember no other teenagers on this cruise. And if there were any, they certainly were not at these midnight buffets. The following day, we land on Barbados, where my parents had been several times before and were always proud to tell me that they owned illegal Calypso propaganda tapes by controversial singer Gabby. Anyway, we decided to take the Jolly Roger Rum Runner cruise, a smaller pirate ship that just got everyone drunker. I don't know. And at this time, Susan comes along with us. Now to my knowledge, Susan has not left the cruise ship yet, so I'm deeply honored. On the Jolly Roger, I actually drank real rum, deliciously dark, spicy, sweet, strong rum, and lots of it. Fuck it. I'm a criminal. I'm 15. Who cares? But uh, about an hour into the ride, yeah, which it it may as well been in like a Tampa swimming pool because no one's really like paying attention to Barbados. Susan's conga line's way more impressive. They announced that we can all go on the rope swing. Okay, you know, you swing out on a rope, let go, fall into the ocean, swim back to the boat. Yay! Of course, Susan had to do it. She climbs up onto the plank, her white legs buckling in desperation, her chartreuse string bikini trembling in fear, and her orange bob slicked against her feral face. She swings out, but instead of letting go, Susan makes the brilliant move of casually sticking her toe into the water. Now then, the current takes hold of her foot, slams her face-first into the Caribbean. She ferociously guffaws as her face hate-fucks the ocean. The next day, Christmas Day, St. Lucia, my father is arrested for shoplifting. Yes, true story. He was innocent. Earlier that day, my mom, who is a preschool teacher, hoodwinked a villager into making 15 grasshoppers out of palm fronds for her three-year-olds. She was carrying a large bag of cheap labor. She went into a small t-shirt shop. My father, who was always too hot, had to stay outside to cool off. So inside, my mom asked the shopkeeper for help while another man stole money from the register. So the shopkeeper identified the man as the husband of the woman with the grasshoppers. So my dad was detained by police for several hours. The captain of the cruise ship got involved. Meanwhile, I had no idea any of this was happening. I had no idea that the reason we were stuck at the port was because my father was about to be sent to the Caribbean clink. I mean, I was on a cruise deck with a goblet of mocktail, line dancing with Susan. So anyway, they worked out the misunderstanding. Mom and dad found me and my brother, told us what happened. They're really upset. I'm terrified because they are. I mean, I would have no idea what to do without them. I didn't want to be kidnapped. I didn't want to be with infidels. You know, I I don't think Susan would have let me crash with her. And yeah, I no longer wanted to be a criminal. I wanted to spend Christmas with my boring family together, watching Susan puke off the poop deck. Well, hi, guys. Hi. Hello, hi. I'm here with my friends Mark Draco and Melissa Stevens. Hello. Good afternoon. Good, Good afternoon. afternoon. How's your Friday going?
1: Well, I was oh, at the Universal, long pause. I <laughs> was at Universal Halloween Horror Nights last night. Oh, you were telling me about that, and it's uh, yeah, friend, pretty great, right? I went with a couple of friends, and uh, my one friend had uh, got us VIP treatment, so it was we didn't have to wait for anything, so we went on everything.
2: Oh, that's the best. That's, that's the way I am, to do
1: it. I haven't been on theme park rides in...
0: Years now are these rides? I've talked about theme parks on this show before, and talked about how like I'm
1: not crazy. Are they are they walking haunted houses? They're they're all walking haunted houses. Okay, but, but the ride, the regular rides are open. Everything is open except okay. Harry Potter. Okay, so we went on the Simpsons. Oh,
2: they closed Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh.
1: Because <laughs> you know they don't want them p- permanently. It's not popular anymore. It just it just didn't trend. I just don't think they wanted the, the, the purge people with chainsaws over a <laughs> oh, I think true. it was protecting a trademark. Yeah, 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 yeah um, for sure. But it, it was exhausting. And some of the rides, the the like the mummy ride or the Simpsons ride or, or those VR rides were okay. Yeah. And I kept thinking, I'm getting nauseated. And am I going to be the guy that walks out of this ride and drops dead of an aneurysm? Because you always oh hear the stories God. about someone hasn't been on a roller coaster sure, in ten years. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so what else, Melissa, what's going on with you? Um,
2: ooh, uh I started taking meds.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, we've all been talking. Do you want to give Which a show that's like a specific med? Maybe you'll get
1: like a knapsack <laughs> or a pen. Oh,
0: just threw that out
2: there. I was trying to think of something, and I was like, well, I don't know. Oh, that's,
1: that's fun. That's
2: the newest.
1: And
0: how are they working out?
2: I don't know. I keep trying to check in with people Uh huh. and see. It's like a half and half. I Don't think...
0: they take a while to? Yeah,
2: I'm only on like week three.
0: Okay. So okay. I'm like
2: still in like new territory. Okay. I hope I, I feel better-ish.
0: You look great. <laughs> you great. look fantastic. Are You're you holding able, it all together? Are you
1: able to orgasm? I know that that's sometimes a problem. <laughs> yes, but I'm
2: not on the antidepressants.
1: Oh. So yeah. I
2: don't have to worry about <clears throat> it as much because I think those do.
1: Yeah, those take a while to they the, get Yeah, the antidepressants
2: levels. usually do the like take away the sex drive. This is more of a mood stabilizer.
0: Okay. So I'm okay.
2: less like up and down. Uh-huh. So oh, I've, been that. <laughs> I've been doing that.
0: That's great.
2: I've been doing comedy. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> I love it. I
0: love it. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect it's wonderful yeah I um, uh, just full disclosure never taken meds this and is my never, first time and never gone to one session of therapy really which I've had many people say to me after I've had many long conversations like have you thought about going to therapy but it's so crazy because like you've never up, been
2: to a therapist no
0: I never have and
2: Not, uh, me uh, plans
1: a I've lot. I've never been to a therapist either you've really? never been
2: to a therapist either no
1: but I have to I'm a, I do take meds so yeah
2: how did you get oh you get them from a psychiatrist yeah
1: no, I got them. I got them from my, my general practice, practitioner. Oh, you just
2: like asked your doctor. Yeah,
1: okay. yeah, because he was like, "You are crazy. Your 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 anxiety is making you crazy, and it's making me crazy." And yeah. he said, "He said, Well this is can I this be my revealing thing then? Can I do? Sure. Can I jump ahead?' Oh, the show? Absolutely. You read yeah, me absolutely, yeah, yeah. I I, had, I was just about I was around thirty years old. I had lived here for a while. I was out of I was out of work, and my sort of anxiety manifested in a way where I call it like an Edgar Allan Poe hypochondriac. I would think mm. I had all these horrible diseases, but I would never tell anybody. I'd be like fully functioning, but I would drive myself crazy. Mm.
0: It would be like the telltale
1: heart. I would hear the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And my doctor, after like the third time I called him in like a week, was like, we should talk.
0: <laughs> I so
2: relate to this. And, and, and well, my- but also
0: like, you, like you're always watching like documentaries and special like you're, you're you're so like well read on all this stuff so you see all these things
1: oh yeah and this was before webmd was oh, big right. i would have Forget committed suicide of webmd yeah.
0: and you know when you're when, really when you're horrible. a creator when you write yes you're, you're you have a very active imagination you your reflex is the
1: most dramatic story and it, yeah. it never in real life is it ever that but mm-hmm. my doctor said we should try some zoloft and i was like i can't take meds it will kill my muse he's like i'm not going to put you on thorazine Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not going to be licking the curtains," he said. "This is just going to be, and this is how long I've been taking them." He said, "It's going to be like when you get a noise filter on your dial-up. You're, you're, it's going to get all the white noise out. You're not going to. It's going to just. It's going to get rid of all that crazy stuff. And it, and it actually made me more prolific. It made mm-hmm. me more chill. It gave me a better point of view. I was actually glad I went through it mm. because, from a writing standpoint and a creative standpoint. The empathy of people who have it far worse than I ever will. Yeah, I really have a, a, a deep empathy for that, and it, it's been great. I and I had, you know, it's a small dose, and it's never. I never had any other side effects of it, so mm. it was never. It was it was wow. great. But uh, I recommend that. My doctor said to me, he said, look at it this way: if you had strep throat, I'd give you an antibiotic. He said, right. You have more control right. over whether you <laughs> get the flu and strep than you do over anxiety or depression yeah. or something like that. He said, there's no shame in it. He said, we still treat it like mental illness, like it's you know the 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 crucible. You know? Yeah, the yeah, stigma we around do. it.
2: Like well, the, when the, my psychiatrist like said something to me, I just started sobbing because it was as if I was in Georgia <laughs> and somebody had right. said exactly. I was yeah. mentally handicapped. Right. And I exactly. was like, what? And she yeah. was like, like it felt very stigmaty uh-huh. Like but I was just like, once ugh, you get well,
1: past that though, it's freeing. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I can acknowledge that, and then I, you see how many more people yeah you know, when if you you know, sometimes I'll post on Facebook if I'm having a bad day, and then I'll get all these emails from people saying, You know I suffer from severe chronic depression all the time mm-hmm. if you ever need to talk to somebody. And my I have so much respect for people that have severe chronic mental illnesses, whether it's anxiety or or OCD or depression, mm-hmm. because just the the brief experiences I've had with it are so hard. yeah, that if you deal with that every day, you, you're 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 my idol. I don't know well, how. Well, and like. you deal with the stigma of like, do I reveal this? Yeah. Do I come out about this
0: and say I have this thing because it's 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 like alcoholism or anything that that people think that you have some responsibility in, and then you're really like, you know what? You it, it, it's chemical. It's yeah. not like you. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's like well, get, you know. But yes, growing up in the South, like you and I both did, Melissa. Like there's there's the, a thing about going to a. a psychiatrist or going to therapy mm. that literally it sounds like you're chewing leaves off a fence down somewhere and you're crazy and you've yeah. gone up to the cuckoo barn. I saw Prince of and, Tides. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, you know, and it's like, or like, you know, um, you know, Tennessee Williams sister, that whole, st- mm. that whole thing. It's like that's sort of still in us there about like why do you need to go to therapy? What's wrong with you? Whereas yeah. like people need to go thing. somewhere and talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I... It's so, it's still in me to think that, like, you know, and and, and I, I got to say, doing things like this help tremendously. Having just, like, creative friends who aren't afraid to just get really real. We have conversations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are conversations that I have at bars with my yeah. friends that people walk up and they're like, oh, sorry, this got really, he- uh, this is, it seems heavy. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we are helping each other so yeah. much right now. Yeah. Because we're not all, like, bits and bops and, like, luckily we get to do that when we can, like, I would say, but, like, it, it really does help to talk about what's going on and to deal with it and to acknowledge, like, yeah, like, I am, you know... Like we're imperfect. We're human beings. We have things that we have to
1: deal with. And um, And you realize yeah. how much support you have when you reveal yes. it. Yes. It opens up a dam in your friends, your friends, like, Oh, I felt the same way if you ever mm-hmm. feel that way. And it's so it's both sad when you have so many people in your life that are suffering from various levels yeah. of this but it's also comforting because you know you're not in it alone because no right. one no one's ashamed to say I have the flu or I caught the measles. Right. And, you know, like you said, you have you have less control over right. what what's going on no, in your I'm head. I'm only
0: lucky that I'm not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm Mm. because I would be an alcoholic like I mean I drink a lot and I love drinking I am lucky that I'm not like I'm not a better person not because I can hold my liquor than someone who can't like it is a chemical thing that um, you know hopefully I'll be able to control all my life I don't know but it's like you know my friends that have gone through that and there's the shame in that. And it's the same as like when you mm-hmm. say, and I go through periods, it's always this time of year. I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, oh, this time of year, I, I do get seasonal depression. Mm. And I, and it sneaks oh. up on me, usually around Thanksgiving until mm. the end of the year. And I go, why am I in such a funk? Why do I feel awful? Why am I just so self-conscious? And, and um, I guess I look back on my year and I feel like I haven't done enough or I'm not where I need to be in my life or... I'm not with somebody or whatever I, I whatever I, I have anxiety or, or neuroses about it it will come out hard uh November December time
1: it hits me in January and, February because that was when I grew up in Ohio and the winters in Ohio it would be sw- uh, it would January, be there'd February. be snow until May right so I'm right. really be- I'm a big believer in seasonal effectiveness yeah oh, that's sure, why sure. all the serial killers and alcoholics come from Indiana Ohio Illinois because for six months <laughs> of the year It's 40 degrees and you're chapped for six months. It's crazy. Yeah, Mm. And even here I feel it. (laughs) I'm chapped. I'm going to go kill.
0: (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, so I I can only vaguely understand, you know, and it's like, again, I'm only lucky that I don't suffer from chronic depression because I go through it. I mean, I go up and down and I have that creative and I can go to dark places. I can go to, you know, it's what we do. We're trained to do that.
1: Do you ever find that. You get the darkest after you have the best time. Oh sure, it's amazing where it's like I'll get oh. a, I'll get a job and I'll be like thrilled for like 13 minutes and uh-huh. then I spend the next two days going. But what if that's my last job? Am oh, I going to sure. have to go live mm-hmm. with my parents? Mm-hmm. Am I going to live in my car? Who's going to take care of my dog? Right, and then you're I- like, then I smack myself and I'm like, you're allowed to enjoy something.
0: Oh, I can do I can do a show and I can have you know however i could have 99 out of 100 people We'll just put that number and s- say you were great this was wonderful this amazing and that one person looks at me the wrong way and i'm like i'm terrible mm. or what's going oh, on you yeah. know and i have to just deal with that it's all that weird stuff or and it's also the high of doing it mm-hmm. when i perform and i feel so good and it feels great it's the most i'm the most vulnerable to get dragged like way down and it's it it's just part of it and i've just may- mainly just learned to Understand it and go, okay, that's just what this is.
1: And yeah, I like have this- after
2: show blues. And
1: sometimes yeah. I just like I
2: just know that that's coming.
1: Yeah. I'm envious sometimes of people that are like plumbers or dentists or beauticians or morticians because to have the job, you go do the job. And when you're not at the job, you're not at the job. What right, we do is right. so all consuming. We're always observing and we're never at work mm-hmm. and we're never at home, but we're always at and we're work. Also and we're never off at home. the clock either. Yeah.
0: You can get emails at three in the morning. And, oh, yeah. You know, the- and you can get. Things that come through, it, yeah, it, it's it, it's. Oh, that's
2: it's, what I've started having major boundaries with, and it, yeah. that's been so helpful. it's good. Is like not, is not being on the clock all the time, uh-huh. because it it doesn't change anything.
0: Do you know yeah.
2: what I mean it doesn't yeah. change any? Well, we feel
0: like I think the thing too is that we're because I did think it did change.
2: This. I used
0: to a lot, and I used to think like I have to be so grateful for anybody that wants to have me do anything because I've been out here a long time. I lived in LA <laughs> for seventeen years, yeah, and I've been like I feel like the first ten I was lucky if anybody was like here, like you know, would you tear tickets at my show? Yeah, like, but you and-
1: you are one of the hardest working people I've ever met, and I'm not saying that just we're friends. I mean, you've been doing three and four shows a night in the 12 years I've known you every night. It's always like, uh, you're either going to a party or going to a show or going to a party before you go to a show. Yeah. And, yeah. You're, and you've and you been, and that's hard to do, you and know? It's, yeah. But it, it, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, like ultimately, I do love
0: it, and I love the being busy because it keeps it also keeps the voices at bay. Because oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm busy, I'm doing things, mm. and doing my own stuff really helps me not worry about the phone not ringing mm. when I, you know, and I see all these other yeah, people. Yeah, I think about you things. often
2: because like there's was some conversation we had like after a Channel one oh one thing where we were just talking about doing your own stuff and you were like, "Yeah." we were just like, you just have to like keep doing it. You have You're to just, just like, do it. That's the one thing. You just have to do it as you do it. And that has been something that I've always just like done. And, and I see other friends who, who don't feel like they can or they don't have the voice to feel like they can yet. Yeah. And right. they've, They feel very powerless and feel really sad. But you got
1: to be afraid. You got to be not afraid to fail. Fail spectacularly. I Mm. mean, that's a that's such an old hoary cliche. No, but it's true. But it's absolutely true. Up
0: there, I also think too. I mean, I've done a lot of crap. A Mm. lot of crap. But the cream rises and, like, no one, like, if you make a video that doesn't really, that's not very good, no one's going to share it. Who cares? You learned a lot from making that video, yeah. right? If it's amazing, no one's going to say, oh, my God, look at this video. It's so terrible. <laughs> yeah. And it's some, so of the so <laughs> some of the
1: best relationships come from when you do something that is horrible, when you're in the trenches with te- good, yeah. good people and it just doesn't work. And the people yeah. you meet no today, idea. you have no control Ten over what... years from now, they could be the yeah. director I mean, of the I the, I had,
0: the things that I've done that have hit, I had no idea when we were doing them that this was going to be the thing. You you know, versus yeah. the other thing I've done, and so you have to just keep doing stuff. And um, but yes, um, uh, you know, like I do love doing it, but I also I have to have come to Jesus moments with myself where I go, Drew, you don't have to do everybody's show. You don't have to do everybody's. Yeah, do you thing. take breaks? I do, I do. I just was in Seattle last week, and just I was. Um, you've got, you've gotten of a better job, at it over the years. I've gotten way better. You at
1: you it. you're you're one of the people that I kind of aspire to be in the sense oh. where you'll be like. I'm taking a week for myself. And I'm going to New York. I don't have anything planned. I'm just going. Oh, yeah, I the- try to great. do that oh, I once love, a year. I, I need to do that
0: more. Once often. Once a year, I try to to give myself a, a, a trip, and I love to go to New York and just watch theater for a week. That's oh, the nerd that's that I great. am.
2: Oh, that's great. And that I try beautiful. to do that
0: if I can, if I can schedule it and fin- and financially afford. Yeah. You know, but I was just in Seattle. I was on the jury of the um Twist uh, Seattle Queer Film Festival, Ooh. and uh, it's called Twist now. It used to be called Three Dollar Bill. Um, <laughs> And uh, it was a blast, and it was, it was so nice to just be out of L.A. It was chill. It was rainy. I love Seattle. It was a great mm. time. Really lovely people. Incredible food. Great time and, of year um, up there, Great too. The time fall. of year. Ugh. And I um, – so, yeah, that, that felt like a yeah. week off. It That's was really great. Good. Yeah. So I try to do that, and I try to give myself – also, there are just times that I go – a lot of it's social, too. I realize that social uh, you know, interaction is work. Because it's, it's connected worked. to what we do. Yeah. People don't really realize that. That it's, it's all like, part of it. This weekend's Halloween, and people are all already asking me, what are you doing for Halloween? I'm like, jack shit. Oh, I'm because not doing fucking nothing. I truly don't enjoy putting on a costume and walking around a party. I used to when it wasn't my life, but now it's there's pressure <laughs> yeah. to do that. I
1: have a whole... I want to do a magnet of Drew Drogi quotes because when I think of Halloween and I think of my actor friends, I always think of what you said. you should like, I get paid to dress up. I'm not doing it on my day off. <laughs> it's yeah. just like you should have like a Paul Mall and a wine cooler. <laughs> said the world's biggest cunt on earth. <laughs> um,
0: no, but yeah, I mean. No, it's, I get I mean, it.
2: it. I, well, that's when the normal don't... people have fun is on exactly. Halloween. Exactly. And
0: I love watching other people have fun. Like, you know, I really do love when people get so excited about it but it is not I get jealous of their joy in the moment (laughs) because I go I'm not having fun doing this and I you know and I'm it's just not what I you know like doing as much so but also I'm like for me like oh my God, I can go home. Everybody else will be out partying. I can have a quiet night at home not tell anybody. Yeah. You know, and it's great. And I le- and that actually really helps recharge too. Yeah. And we have to be able to do that and not feel like you have to always, because you're right, you feel like you're missing something or you feel like, I used to think like, if I don't answer somebody's uh, email right away, then they're going to get somebody else. And it's like, well, if, it, if that's what, they, it, who cares? Like,
2: Yeah, I had to do that balance for a really long time because I, I used to like have this fear of like I had to go out all the time or I wouldn't, but then I realized I was just going out all the time and I wasn't really getting any jobs. Right. I was just going out. I've just right. <laughs> done you know,
0: yeah, enjoy me like I know, I know. no it was
2: actually like it was like this con- but I felt busy. <laughs> like, oh, of course. I was so tired. Right, of course. But like nothing was Happening. Well, there are
0: parties every night yeah. in the city, and there are lots of them And everyone. And there are people that you see that are, like, working the parties. But I was I also never good at doing that. No. So I, I get very, like, I like to, I love meeting new people, and I love the whole thing. that like, I, it has to happen organically for me. I can't go out there and be like, hi, Drew Drogi, sag After. I'm currently <laughs> looking for acting jobs. And I love, oh, my God, I love your projects. And, like, I can't be nah. that person.
1: I've gotten to the age, too, where I like getting invited to things, but then I'm like, oh, I'm too tired. I oh, I know. Saying. I'd rather yeah. have dinner with four friends, Absolutely. and or, I'd rather have dinner with like you and like we had dinner. We went and saw Moonlight the other night, which, which by the is so way, incredible. oh, I hear it's have
2: amazing. It's, it? I saw the trailer, and I'm really it's excited. It's one of about the most
0: beautiful. It. I can't even. It, it, I, it defies I the description. It. I've
1: never seen anything like it in my life. Mm. The closest the, I came was Boyhood. It's just one of those movies where you feel them. You, I felt like I had to look away from the camera sometimes because it felt like we were eavesdropping. On yeah, yeah, characters. yeah. Oh. It was.
0: It's an incredible movie. I really want to see it. But yeah, a great night. You go to dinner. You go to a great movie. You meet, doesn't get, doesn't I that it wasn't just me, like, yes. Tim McCartney was there. It was great. We, we had a wonderful... It could wonderful, just be like
2: age, too. Like when you get older, you want to just like to actually talk to people.
0: Exactly. <laughs> like I, just like, yeah, I don't want to scream at you across the When yeah. I go to these, like the bars in West Hollywood and everyone's just... And you're like, oh, the goal is to not have to talk <laughs> to anyone. Yeah. The goal is to just drink your face off yeah. and dance and just look hot and then make out with whoever's next to you, I guess. I don't know yeah. what else. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm beyond
1: that. Yeah. And it feels great. I love it. it it's yeah. like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I feel I, more and more like Jane Goodall uh, <laughs> with, these, with these clubs. It's like, oh, look at them. Uh, They're natural habitat.
0: <laughs> I know. But uh, anyway, uh, that's uh, that's the one of the greatest things. It's uh, I, I do feel sorry for people that, like, hate getting old for that reason like i can't you know and
1: i'm like oh my god i I love it if i I could have this brain my 46 year old brain when i was 20 i would be king of the world because the thing that comes when you're in your late 30s to mid 40s is you know what you're good at and what you're not and you ask questions when you want an answer and you assume when someone asks you something they want your honest answer, right, right. and it's so freeing because yeah. I have You know, we all do those things in our twenties, whether it's writing or acting, taking a job. You need to take this job, and it's like, and Ugh. now there are things. You know, it's going to be easy when your ever your agent says it's going to be easy. <laughs> run the other way mm-hmm. unless you're getting cash up front because it always ameliorates out that you're making three cents an hour for right, all the work exactly. you are putting in. But there's oh, I think free- like it's a fun opportunity that means that you're <laughs> no. getting zero money.
0: Yeah,
1: no. and <laughs> that's going to be awful. My <laughs> landlord doesn't take opportunity. opportunity to, exactly, rent, you know, exactly. none of these executives are working for free but there's a freedom that comes in this age it's why you see so many people that are our age that work historically because when you get here you're like the bullshit the bullshit 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 drops off right Right.
2: well you just stop like yeah you're just kind of like ah, fuck it
0: and i you know you're finally at a point where you know who you are and like you said know what you can and can't do i mean that's such a huge thing too i'm very open now to be like when people ask me to do things and i go you know what I'm not the right person for this job. Get call so and so. And I love being able to do that. Yeah. I never thought I used to be like I have to take everything that comes my way and, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and i was so competitive in a weird way and I was like, "Ooh, that's so I awful." I was so
2: competitive. I was like I have to do every show and everything and every skit and every video and everything and thing and thing and thing. And then, and now I'm just like, "Oh, but I don't actually I don't have to." And yeah. all Well, it comes back to fine. you too.
1: When you do that, people realize they can trust you because when you can when you have the self-awareness to say I really need the job, but I'm like this. This will make us all miserable. Here's right. someone I know that'll be perfect for exactly. it. Exactly. They're like, oh, you're wait, you're, you're speaking the truth in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that, that, that attracts people. And you also,
2: I also don't want to like, I, I don't want to show up and be angry. No. Because I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Where you've shown up and been like, oh, fucking it? Yeah, sometimes
0: I overcommit <laughs> and I say yes without oh, thinking it all through. That's the I, worst. Because I'll just go, yeah, sure, I'm free that day, fine. And I show up and I go, what did I get myself and into? And, and you're yeah. right because you're, you're like, like, fuck. Get in the mood, bitch. You yeah. told your, you said yes. Get in the mood. Get in the I mood. I hate
2: that because then it's really hard because <laughs> it's just like it's like pulling up an angry baby. You're just like, yeah. fuck. And I'm just mad.
0: I know. I never. Melissa, do you have a story?
2: Ooh, yeah. What am I going to reveal? Um, ooh, ooh. Something from childhood or something from now. Um,
0: you said you had something that was that was dark. Yeah, morning, it was dark. Very peaked interest.
2: Um, okay, so I had... Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> so when I was a kid, uh, I had this weird thing, and I've struggled with it my whole life. So I had... When I was like... I think I was... I don't know what age in kindergarten. It was either preschool or kindergarten. And I was um, put in like a special ed and uh, uh, an older sort of aggressive student took advantage of me sexually. Oh, my God. And (laughs) I
1: don't know. That's hilarious. I don't know know why I'm smiling. Blackout.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it was a girl.
0: Okay. And how old was she?
2: Um, I don't remember. Um, I don't know. I just remember we would go into the bathroom and she would lay on top of me and she would just like act like she was having sex with me. And I remember it was wow. be very painful because I would have, I'd be like, ow. And, um, and that would happen a lot. And then, Wow, I've never talked about this out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Except for in therapy. (laughs) And then, um, and then for the rest of my life, it really like plagued me because I was, I was like, Oh, does this make me gay? Like I didn't know Uh uh like what that meant because I didn't, it was so young that I didn't know if like I was intrigued by it or if I liked it or what happened. Well, and and physical
1: stimulation versus emotional connection. Yeah. yeah. And,
2: uh, it really, really, really fucked me up for a very long time cuz i didn't understand and i remember trying to talk to my mom about it and she was just like no it's fine like that happens like you just it's just you're just playing and you just kind of you know <laughs> yeah and it was like very like you know now i look back and i'm like oh that was like very traumatic you know cuz it was it was uh it wasn't like one time it was like a uh, every day at school until i finally like wasn't in that class anymore um so. And then
0: it's, like, so crazy young. <laughs> it was like very have young. have any even understanding of, like, what sex is. I didn't know what it and was. So I, I'm I'm wondering, like, was there part of you that was, like... Because oh. she was just,
2: like, on top of me and I was on the bottom and she was just, like... I don't even think she... Po- I don't know how old she was. Like, you know, it is sort of that... It's so young, I don't know if I blocked it out, or I blacked out. Mm-hmm. You know when they talk about you like, uh-huh. I, Disassociate I used, I used of, to yeah. think that people were making that up. <laughs> Cause I'd be like, you remember everything. Um, yeah. But I don't really, I just remember like she would be on top of me and ru- like rubbing. And I'd be like, what is going on? Like, I was Uh like, what is she doing? And she'd be really aggressive. And I'd be like, let's go. People are coming. Because I was really afraid of getting caught, you know? Right, because
0: you know at that even at that age, like you're born with shame. Mm -hmm. We're born with like, this is not right. This does not feel right. But wow, that's so fascinating. And And I'd be like,
2: let's leave, let's leave. And I was always like really scared. And then it turned. And then there was a time where it kept happening where I was like, okay, I'm with you.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And I was like, okay, let's do this thing that we do.
1: Well, you see that 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 sounds like you know, like Law and Order, SVU, when yeah. victims, when you've been when you've been abused in a way, it, it, it you go through it and then you become accepting of it. Yeah, you, you and I was like, in and it. I
2: was like, now right. we do this thing during class.
1: Well, it gave you some control in your own mind. Over yeah. the, oh, um, I'm sure, absolutely, and you, know. you also are like okay, I
0: can get through this. I can do this. And this is what I have to... These are the rules. Yeah. So this is how we have to play. This is what we're doing. Yeah. And... Because you have to make it okay for yourself at a certain point. And it's so crazy how kids process things because Mm -hmm. we show kids, like, you know, standing at the doorway watching something horrible, like, watching Mommy and Daddy, like, you know, throw bottles at each other and the kids are crying, like, Mommy, Daddy... And, like, yeah, sure, but a lot of kids internalize things and normalize things so quickly Mm -hmm. that... You see a kid, and that is another great thing in Moonlight. Yeah, I was gonna say Moonlight, the relationship is that with the you mom. You see how the kid deals with it, it deals with it, you know, and accepts it as mm. just like, oh, this is just how things are. Mm. And like my brother and I, we talk a lot about it because my father's parents were these incredibly angry drunks, like mm. just like mad drunks. And I my mom's side of the family is pure love. And just, like, the most, like, incredible, like, my grandparents were still, my mom's parents were still alive. And they're just, like, the dream grandparents, like, that I have the world's greatest grandparents. They're incredible. But on my dad's side, it was the op, they were just, like, cold, and they always had scotch and Mm. peanuts, like, Mm -hmm. bowls of peanuts they were digging into angrily. And we would be playing, you know, and they would take care of us and... They never did anything like abusive physically but emotionally absolutely and mm. I remember there was a time that like we, we were children and like we were and they were trying to teach bridge to us and they were wasted and they were like, getting so upset and I remember my grandfather just being like that's it and he slams his hands and I remember peanuts and salt and drool like coming out of his mouth And he was like, put away the damn cards. We're done. You know, and in a movie, you would have the kids crying and running away. My brother and I were laughing so hard. We were like, you know, (laughs) Papa's crazy. And we just laughed about it. And years later, we talked about like, oh, we were probably not safe in that moment. Yeah. Because they were in charge of us and we were very young
1: and they were blotto and they had no idea what they were doing. And And it was the era when spanking was still, spanking and physical. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. We were spanked all the time. We were spanked in the South back then. My dad would would, would spank the hell out of me and my
0: brother. Uh And, um, yeah. Oh, and we also, this is all just to add to how crazy it is. We used to call it a word of prayer. It would be like, do you want to go out to the car for a word of prayer? Wow. Which meant a fucking spanking. If that doesn't a, connect oh, well, lot that's of, that's, That, that that's
1: explains my Catholic, my Catholic school <laughs> upbringing right yeah, there. We, wow. had, we
2: had a belt rack.
1: Wow. With different
2: sized belts for the for whatever you fucked up.
1: The wooden spoon. Oh,
2: and 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 the god. weightlifting belt was oh, was oh the one Oh my god. That you got real fucked up. That's with.
1: like hellraiser.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy cuz it's like methodical like they think about it. They weigh the options. It's medieval. <laughs> and
2: and we just be like I mean, what's so funny is the weightlifting belt was actually like, wasn't even that bad because the, actually the thicker, the softer. Yeah,
0: exactly. The fucking yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. thin ones were like oh, whips. <laughs> oh, the
0: worst.
2: <laughs> the worst.
0: I've seen Passion of the Christ. <laughs> yeah, like, you're just it's like, ow! not, it's not fun.
2: <laughs> I mean, now, now my, you know, it's so funny because now my dad's so soft and would never, you know what I mean? But right. like, then that's just. It was just, just very standard that that's what you would It was just. just Standard practice, but part uh, but oh. of
0: me kind of still—I kind of think part of it's good. I mean, at a certain I don't point, like it. Oh. I don't—I mean, you have to like—I uh, don't have kids, and I don't know, but I think that there there are times. That you need to let your kid. You like, need to, to be the adult. You need to definitely, and if, definitely, and if you keep your spankings really few and far between, and it's a big deal, kids don't forget those things.
1: And they're pre- they they are they do prevent things. I remember yeah. like when I be my cousins and I would be madmen. My uncle, you'd hear him stand up and hear him jiggle his belt, and we would be like cleaning yeah. the bathroom with our toothbrushes, and we'd be the best. Angel well, that's of the what kids. I
2: mean. Like, there's I don't think like the <laughs> spankings are to a too much, but like, <laughs> but. Yeah, my dad my dad was the parent. Like there right. there's like nowadays like cuz I've babysat some kids in LA and I'm like Y'all gotta start. No. Well, you see these parents debate, they're
0: like, debating; they're debating with their
1: five-year-olds. You yeah. can't debate with a five-year-old. I mean, you,
0: know, you, know, you don't it's ask. Crazy. You don't ask your toddler like their opinion about dinner. Like, what are you in the mood for for dinner? Let's no, make five different dinners. Like, yeah.
1: no. Oh, get when, out I, of when here. I was no. a kid, it was what was on the table, and if I didn't want it, I'd go to see bed hungry. Ya. Right? Bye. Yeah. Like, you're lucky to have hot food. Yeah. yeah. And
0: also, they're just things that I think about it. I'm like, I don't know. My dad had like guilt about this all of his life, and he would bring it up a lot. But like. My brother was a really bad biter. Like, he would just bite at any at any time, like a cat. Like, at any time, he would just think it would be funny, and he would bite, and it would hurt oh so my God. badly. Oh, oh my I'm, God. Oh, I'm so going to bite him when oh I see him Oh, my God. He was, really? a, he was a terror. And I... There was one time that he got mad at me oh for my God. stealing one of his He-Man figures or something. Mm. Really crucial. I really did it. <laughs> he... But, and my dad... My dad would tell the story, and this is tell how you could tell that Al Droghi just loved to speak in hyperbole. Because my dad would say, he was like, Garrett bit Drew so hard, a full upper and lower indention was on his chest. So it was as if my, my brother was like a black mamba or like or some a sort bear of snake, trap or something. Or like a bear, exactly. Like, <laughs> how do you do a full upper lower teeth extension? But according to my father, that's how bad it was. All 32 teeth dug into my chest.
2: <gasps> he bit your he chest. He bit my chest. <laughs> Real, and I remember... Disgust. What's wrong How hard it
0: hurt. Oh my He's god. He's one of my favorite people on earth to this day. We're He's wonderful. I can't even That's such a him hard going- place to bite. You know, oh, oh, it was horrible. I can uh. still remember how it felt. It's a very horrible feeling. <laughs> and so does all- he have kids? He does. He has two Do kids. Do they bite? They're delightful. Not that I know of. His kids are angels. That would
2: be amazing though, just as like a full circle. I
0: don't understand how they I mean, he is the best parent in the world. He's so patient with them, and they both are really great. Uh, His kids are. But, like, he, um, (laughs) anyway, he bit me so hard. Then, my dad, we had, for like ever, they were like trying to figure out, they'd gone, tried all these different things to keep Garrett from biting. And they said, whatever you do, don't bite the child back because that will (laughs) reinforce. That it's okay. And when when Garrett bit me that hard, my father turned around and grabbed his arm and bit his child's arm so hard, and Garrett never bit again. And so, Garrett, and and Dad's like, I can't believe I bit my child. It's primal. But it's that thing where you're like, this is what this feels like. This is what you're doing all the time. And we have tried, and we have warned you, we have punished you.
2: Oh, yeah, my dad would have. Oh man, yeah. Well, that's the
1: thing too that I see that when we when I was little, and it sounds like you guys had the same experience. You were you were the rule of three, the Shakespeare rule of three. You were warned once. Mm. They stood up, and the third time you got spanked or put in your room or whatever. And now, if you you have you have to follow through, or the kids know you're not right. You know if you don't, if there isn't a consequence, and no one ever, no one ever spanks their kid. I think to hurt them it's to make them pay attention you're not going i'm gonna make my kid feel pain it's like yeah. you gonna snap them out of something mm-hmm. yeah. you know it was now... never it was never used as pain for me it was used as like wake the
0: fuck up well I, it's so yeah. it's so tricky because i know that there are cases yeah. you know and i've been in public and i've seen
2: yeah there's a parents line.
0: and i'm like oh, oh my god that's the line <laughs> oh my god you i know. had
2: that happen at forever 21 in, where was I? Where I was like, I almost wanted to step in with this mother and her child. And she was being just too aggressive with her yeah, child in yeah. the store. And I was like, I don't care if she doesn't want to be here. I don't care if you're shopping for yourself. Whatever you're doing is too much. You just shouldn't be that aggressive with your child in public, like or ever really. I mean, I don't and care it's public so hard. Private. It's, you can't. You can't. And I couldn't. And then I was thinking about it, and then I was just like, Oh my god, I, I don't know what. I don't know what their morning was like. I don't know what you pushed you to this point. You don't know.
1: This the worst five minutes of this it's, woman's it's, life, or is this every day? Every day. I know. It's so.
2: It's hard because I've. I was also an awful child. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I right. was so annoying. Right. I was so. You know, like I definitely pushed. The limit.
1: Oh, I'm surprised I didn't get spanked more. <laughs> I got away yeah. with a
0: lot. Yeah, so. it was we were well pretty, pretty horrible. I over I saw this years ago, at a g- grocery store. This kid kept like grabbing for something. And this mother said, "You do that one more time, and I'm gonna pull down your pants and show everybody your penis." <laughs> and that was a moment where I was like, "That is a horrible woman."
1: And that child I mean, like, became that, Jeffrey Dahmer. I, I know. Stinks. It's like <laughs> that, and that she was said, so
2: shocking to me as you said that. <laughs> like that's the like I that's just, the. This, uh,
0: punishment like the sh- like that all the body shame the oof. sexual sh- like yeah, there's something about like using the word penis like in you know, a uh, clinical something so clinical and like oh, why would you and also boy. like that it's so not connected to what that kid's doing but now it is yeah. now you've connected those things how old was he you know 14 <laughs> so you
2: that's so sad but you
0: know you see these things and you're like that's just the wrong approach I'm gonna go ahead and judge that that's not what you need to say to your kid right now because you're you're also just attaching
2: yeah, you're just, sexuality
0: with shame. You
2: just don't even know. I think, okay,
0: so I want to go back to your story a little oh, bit because yeah. it was that's so. Now, did you um, keep in touch with this girl? Did this was this? I mean, how long did
2: I, I? I'm assuming it went on for the amount that that you know that school year. Uh huh. And then i and then never again.
1: Well, uh-huh. we have a special guest.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't even know what her name is.
1: Oh my god! Do you no. know what I mean? Like right, I, I was right. so young, sure, I was five. Sure. <laughs>
2: Um, and yeah. it was in, Flo- it was like on the Gulf coast of Florida and we were in the air force. So we traveled, we changed uh-huh. schools and we moved to Georgia and then, um, or well, we moved to another air force base and, uh, and then I didn't tell anyone about it
0: Yeah, I'm until
2: sure. I was probably in sixth or seventh grade when I started to, you know, like have sexual feelings of uh-huh. like, Oh, like, do I like boys or do I like girls like I don't know Um, and I and I because I really liked boys but then I was like but this thing happened so does that mean I like girls that I
0: in my memory like started to like make happen like I started to like so like I didn't know and so
2: and it's really screwed me up until probably until like I mean, my late 20s was when I really actually, I think, like, did some work on it to, like, actually, like, move past it. Because uh-huh. I was like, okay, now we can, like, put it to bed. You know what I mean? Because I, like, had to actually, like, do work on it to, like, understand somebody being like, oh, I went through a similar experience and felt the same way. And I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not making these feelings up. Like, right. I didn't know right. that other people felt that way. Or, like, when you're abused, sometimes you, like, relate to the sex of the person you were abused. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then sometimes you can be gay, and then sometimes you can't. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it, it, I it, don't there's, know.
1: There's, well, I had a friend um, who was uh, a, a friend of mine who's gay, who was molested by a priest when he was 11. Mm. And that screwed him up because he didn't know if it was the priest knew he was gay or if the priest made him gay or mm. if he liked the abuse. Because, you know, they always say the abuse is never about sexual orientation yeah. it's about power about yeah. mm-hmm. about control sure. and for years he was like you know that that what do i do about that how do i process that you know was i complicit in my own abuse well, and it's that so, sort of thing I mean, that's and, a different it's so that's, insidious that's also different because you have you're dealing with an adult of course well oh, yeah, yeah. And, and this is
2: what's so different is because it was a kid so too. you
0: don't even want to attach the responsibility it's they, hard yeah cause it's, what what happened to her
1: that made her act, made her did, she, act did, she, did she see her parents see having these, sex or was she abused I see stories
2: or? a lot about older kids who abuse uh-huh. younger kids cause she was older um and I see that a lot happen and I'm like uh-huh. oh that it happens they see it they, may, they uh-huh. have these feelings or it's or it's happening to them at home right uh, who knows what her home life was yeah. like you know and so I'm like huh I wonder what made that, hap- like, made her be like, that's the thing I have to do. Right. Because <clears throat> that's such, like, a weird, it's not a weird, I don't think any other, you know, because I don't, I, you know, I felt so much shame about it, because also, like, in the South, no one's talking about sex with a five-year-old. No one's talking about <laughs> sex
0: at all. No one's
2: talking about sex no at all. No one's talking
0: about heterosexual missionary position sex. Yeah. Let alone anything that deviates from that. We don't talk about it. We yeah. It's just, just Nothing not about your table.
2: Like, and so I was just sort of like... I don't, I guess we just, I'm just going to put it in a vault and, like, deal with it later, you know? Compartmentalizing.
1: Uh Yeah. Best thing in the world. And just put it
2: here. And then I would have a lot of trouble with it. And I would Uh just, like, freak out about it. And I remember one time, like, running to my mom and being like, I think maybe I'm gay. Like, I had this experience with this girl, but I don't know what happened. And it was, like, this stuff. And she was Uh like, no, like, that happens with kids. And I was like, okay. Like, and, you know, I don't think my I didn't really explain it fully to my mom because that's like a very uncomfortable thing of to do. Course. Like, <clears throat> And so then I didn't talk about it again until I was like later in life. And like, I think it was just also just like being scared to sort of how to fully process, like, because I was so young, I didn't know, I just like didn't know what to classify it because uh-huh. of the, is she being a child.
1: Right. Do you know what I mean right. like
2: what do you? I don't know what that is like. Right? Yeah, it could have
1: been for her simple curiosity. Yeah. It could have, or it could have been something a manifestation. So you don't know what her motives were. Yeah, or her backstory right. was. But so for it, me,
2: it was like this like crazy traumatic event yeah. that happened over and over again. That I was like ah, like it wasn't like playing doctor.
1: Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like because
2: I played doctor. Right. I mean, we've all. I'm sure. Hopefully. Um, uh, let's do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I, played it with I, I
1: played HMO.
0: <laughs> oh, that uh. makes yep.
1: <laughs> so they wait, They just waited in the waiting room for three hours.
2: <laughs> but like, you know, I had done that. And that was like, but even that, it was much more innocent. It was much more like, and then we'd like run out of the closet before anything really happened. Right, right, right. right. This felt much more like, yeah, it was more, it was painful. It was, yeah. was like crazy. It was much more, there was shame attached to it.
0: Yeah, And <clears throat> also like on top of all that, you're still a sexual person and you're curious. Ugh. And so there's part of you that's like, I should want this on some level. Yeah. And so I, I guess that's what this is. And so I have to, you know, wrap my brain around it. And I, I mean, like, I, I feel like with with every, with every, anything, it's like you can be in a situation and, you, you know, you're a kid and you're like, I want to... I mean, I just think about, like, when I was... Oh, God, I don't know how old I was. And it was such a, like nothing real, but I was probably like 13 and there was an older guy in a bathroom that was like, you know, jerking off at me. And I remember having that feeling of like, this is horrible. This is so wrong. Yet I want this, mm. you know, and I feel shame about wanting, like, that was it. Like I didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything. There was nothing that happened, but it was a moment of just like, oh, these are so many thoughts happening right now. Yeah. It's all becomes so real. And yet. And it was nothing. I mean, to that guy, I mean, he was doing it to anybody that would walk in the bathroom. I mean, he Yeah, it's you know. this
2: weird thing. So I'm sure
0: to him, he has no memory of, you know.
2: Yeah, I wonder if she has, have, has any. I mean, I'm sure she does. Or maybe she doesn't. Maybe she blocked it out. It's just this interesting thing of, like, now I look back of also, like, it just shaped a lot of, like, my sexual experiences after that of, like, shame around sex. Uh-huh. And also, like, what that... And also just, like, my exploration of, like, figuring out what that you know and and it wasn't like she wasn't the only person putting shame around sex it was also like the south my family was like no sex before marriage it was very like we don't talk about it we don't have it that my mom was very much like sex is only for children only i'm uh, not for children <laughs> no, sex is only for children no, but sex is only no, hell to procreate. yeah sex is only to like procreate
0: right right
2: so mm-hmm. it was like it was just like a now i look back at all of these And so everything was just very secretive and
0: dark. I'm the same thing. It's like, we just did not talk about it. We were allowed to watch Freddy Krueger movies, but not, like... I I remember, like, I could... I I went and saw... My parents took me to see Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 when I was 10. Terrifying. And yet, they would not let me see Once Bitten with Jim Carrey. Because it was like a sex movie. You know what I mean? It was like... It's just so... so, That is so weird, because
1: when I was a kid... I was, you know, I was always, I started reading really young from superhero comics and Sesame Street. And I remember reading, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, when I was 10. Mm. And I was like, I said to my mom, very matter-of-factly, just such a little gay kid. I was like, yeah. does this really happen? And why do these girls want this to happen?
0: <laughs> and, and she
1: explained it to me, I was like, this is that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. And then I remember one time my mom making dinner. And I was sitting at the dining room table, and there was a Cosmopolitan magazine. And I was, and I, and she's on the phone, you know, the, the cord phone, the cord that was all knotted up, Aww, and everything, making uh-huh. dinner, talking to a friend of hers. And I said, "Mom, what's kind of lingus?" And she said, "Let's call you back I'm on the phone." And she just matter-of-factly explained what it was, and I was like, "Oh, ew, okay." what's well, yeah. for dinner and right. i was lucky because we didn't really talk about I, w- I had more of the baggage of talk about sexuality and stuff to, with my parents than my parents did it was a very open house that if i asked a question it would be answered uh-huh. but i chose once i was like in puberty and stuff to not talk about that oh stuff.
0: i chose i shut down a lot what i And mm. in my mind i thought i wasn't allowed to talk about mm. things and a lot of that i think is like you have this weird protective barrier. Especially as, being as, gay. As a gay kid. You yeah, know, You're like, yeah. I can't reveal this and I can't, no one knows what I'm going through and I have to take care of number one and, uh, you know, and I knew that I wasn't going to get kicked out of the house but what if? Uh. There's always and that, you, there's and always and that so, percentage yeah. when you're a gay kid. And of course you know, but it's like, it's, well, yeah, and it's I, also I had nothing North but Carolina love going up. And... Right, and it's like, I had so much love growing up. It was I I look back and I go, you'd be ridiculous to think that. But you do on some primal level. So you don't talk about it and you don't share a lot of your life. There was a moment, you know, only a few years ago that I realized how much of my life I kept from my family. Because I was always the quiet kid who would go up to my room. Mm -hmm. And I had a whole different world in my room that I sort of kept, you know...
1: Well, you uh, know, we talked about this. I didn't officially come out to my parents until right after Matthew Shepard was killed because I wasn't. Because the rationalization I had was my sister didn't announce that she was straight. And I wasn't dating anyone. I never hid a relationship I didn't have. But I was just like. I always thought, you know, well, shit, when, when Chaz Bono came out to Cher, Cher was mad. And if Cher was mad that her kid was gay... Was her, Cher
2: mad? I yeah, she didn't that. talk yeah. to her for like
1: a year. Really? Yeah. yeah, and Cher even said, she said, I don't know why I reacted that way. But, you know, so I was like, and I yeah. and I did it with a letter. I wrote a letter to my parents. I was a complete chicken. <laughs> but I felt like after Matthew Shepard died, I'm like, I never had the suicidal thoughts. I never got gay bashed. I felt like I've lived a pretty Norman Rockwell gay life. I owe it. Mm you know this kid died for who he was yeah. i i can't be complicit in that anymore yeah. and my father you know who grew up with eastern european parents and stuff and pretty distant when i came out my mom called me and said she read the letter then my dad called me and said you're my son i love you i want you to be happy and i was like Aww. oh my god so you know I, yeah. I i felt guilty because i had underestimated my father oh i was i had the exact same thing I with was, my parents I, as yeah. well i
0: didn't talk to to my, mom. I mean, I never talked to my dad about it, and and you know, and and yet they always knew. And when I finally talked to my mom about it, she was like, "Your dad always knew and loved you, and just was. We were waiting for you to tell us that we, you know, it's like, oh, okay, cool, great. Cause yeah, what's for dinner? It's like we just need to learn to get out of our own way. And, and so I was like, oh, this was a lot. Me and needing to be like, you know, because I think also if you have a gay kid, you you've got to feel a little bit on some level like you have an alien you're like how do i deal with this because i don't know what this is and they haven't told me they're gay yet so i don't even know how to i'm walking on eggshells with them i mean that's the another great thing when you get older you you put yourself in your parents position and you go mm. how would they even process this because they don't know yeah. you know well the world was so
1: different too. you know i'm yeah, a little bit different. older than you when i was when i was hitting puberty that's when aids started so, yeah. being Catholic, gay, white, in Ohio, I was like, "Oh, I'm eventually going to get that disease because right, we right. didn't know for 10, 15, 12 years there wasn't a, a good diagnostic test for it. Oh, so yeah. the, the you know, kids today don't understand. No, no, that I was... I was like, oh, I'm gonna get that eventually if I have a relationship and I'm gonna die from it."
0: right yeah. Well, that was I remember the moment walking down and watching the news, and they were like, "This is a cancer <laughs> that only affects gay people." And in that I was so oh, young, and God. I remember being like, oh, okay. Th- that I'm gonna I'm gonna remember this moment for the rest of my life, and I have. It's
2: crazy <laughs> watching I, when I watched that HBO movie and like and the, the band played heart. on. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the normal heart, or and the band played on.
2: Uh, normal heart.
0: Oh,
1: okay.
2: For some reason, I was like, and um, it's so it, it's just so crazy how and how so many like young people today just don't. Well like now it's a chroni- gonna-
1: now it's a chronic illness now it's like diabetes yeah. or something. But yeah. you remember, you know, I have friends and I've told this story a bunch of times. I have a couple of friends who are in their sixties and seventies, and I have one friend who went to six hundred funerals in three years. He's like everybody I knew died. I so if I was ten years older, yeah. I could e- I would either be dead or mm. I would have lost an entire generation. Yeah. Back then, in the early days of it, it was you go in, you'd have a cough, and two weeks later, you'd be dead and yeah. now it's you know people are alive 30 35 years later it's 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 good and, and it's now they've not. proven it's like the the odds of like, have a few friends like
0: with six HIV. months like the uh, you know it's like you li- you live six months less yeah. you know if you have hiv it's like it's yeah it's, it's crazy and am- i have a few friends with
2: hiv and and they live yeah, of course normal yeah, happy of course lives and it's and, uh, not uh, the it's same so
0: not the same. I know. Anyway, on that note, that was cheerful. That was delightful. <laughs> sorry, so guys. I watched Showa the other night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think we're out of time. After all that, thank you guys for sharing this. I mean, this always feels like therapy. I feel yeah, like it was we great. here. And we Can I pimp there. my project? Oh my god, god yes! Oh, I'm so yes. sorry. I'm so glad you did. Yes, please. Mark is involved in the most incredible insane project and I'm so glad you said something about it please okay.
1: talk about it um, I am the, sort of the curator and spearheading in a book called Love is Love I write comic books as well as the film and TV stuff and after the Orlando massacre at the Pulse nightclub happened that Sunday On I just put on Facebook we should do something because I'm a child of We Are the World and Live Aid and all that stuff and we've got this book that DC Comics is allowing us to use their characters there. They're giving production assistance. IDW is publishing it. We've got 144 one- and two-page stories. So there's going to be some digital content that's exclusive. Um, it's all book's called Love is Love, and it's all one- or two-page stories, either autobiographical or personal or about specific events about Orlando or just about love and acceptance and it's it's got everybody in, in every name in comics is on it drew wrote a piece for it we've got a bunch of uh, trans actors and uh, we got Matt Bomer's doing a piece Morgan Spurlock did a piece Patton Oswalt um, John Ross Bowie who's now on speechless mm-hmm. um, all the big names in comics, Grant Morrison, Brian Bendis, Mark Millar, uh, Patty Jenkins, who wrote and directed yeah, Monster, Monster and is doing Wonder Woman, wrote the introduction <clears throat> for it. And she wrote this really powerful introduction because she filmed Monster in Orlando.
0: Oh, and, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So,
1: and it's just been, it's been a real gratifying thing to see an arts community come up because there's so much divisiveness and so much competition that all these people... We have so many people doing this book, and we're gonna we're gonna be announcing more of the big names as it gets closer to December. The book's mm-hmm. coming out in December. I did an interview with Oprah Magazine. It's gonna be in their Christmas Ooh. issue. Ooh. The New York. <laughs> I, don't know why I know it's that crazy. Was
0: I, I wish that she would just put you on the cover for uh, one random month, because she puts That herself. would be amazing. Just be you it was for one. Just once. you for December.
1: Me and that wheelbarrow full of fat. Um, but yeah and uh, it was the New York Times did a a story on it it was the most tweeted about story that day Um, the book will be out in December you can order it from idwpublishing.com directly or your local comic book store it's nine ninety nine, one 144 pages, uh, and every penny goes to charity. Everything has been donated, from the paper to the press time to the editors. I've got one of the best editors at D.C., a guy named Jamie Rich, who runs the Vertigo line, and then Sarah Gatos, who handles all the Hasbro characters for IDW, volunteered their time, and they're both super busy. So people
0: can go on. They can get it now. Yeah, you can pre-order now. now, uh, You
1: you can either go look for your local comic book shop and order it from them now, or you can go to idwpublishing.com and order it then. But every penny goes to charity. That was so important to us. And um, it's going to all the victims, the survivors and stuff, you know, paying for things like aftercare and rent in tombstones and stuff like that i mean it's really it's it's a really lovely what's happening and then in may of next year we're going to have all the original art and we're going to do a live auction of it at MegaCon, which is a big comic book convention in orlando so we have the potential of and there's a couple of names that when we do lock them down and announce them it's going to bring this project even more press so i'm out there hitting every podcast and every commercial and every interview because i want you to be so sick of me that you buy multiple copies and it's not it's not a sad it's a sad book, but it's not an angry book. It's a really moving book. Um, but it's something that transcends just this tragedy and some of the pieces are just so powerful and so moving and there's defiant ones and funny ones and you know, Damon Lindelof who did Loss and mm-hmm. Prometheus wrote a beautiful piece about Barbara McCool, the mother of eleven who yes. saved her son. Yes. You know, it's just like it's 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 an emotional book, but it's this thing that's so good for the soul. And Drew's piece is amazing and it's just oh, thank you. we have artists from all over the world, South America, Asia, Africa, Europe. It's it's insane the quality of this book. I couldn't be prouder of it. So,
0: I'm proud of you for doing it because you've put so much effort and time into it. Well, that means a lot. And every Thank time you. I see you and you talk, you've been t- you've been so. I mean, since June, you have been working on this, and it has been a wow, that's huge cr- undertaking. That is wow, that is yeah, amazing. Over it's, 300
1: creators. Yeah,
0: yeah, that so is to amazing. Put this together, um, and yeah, it's it's uh, if anything, you know, good that can come out of this horrible thing that happened. You know, it's like, yeah, bringing people together and, like, having people just sort of, like, recognize that universal truth. um, Well, the good thing about being
1: artists, it allows us to create something to give to people for their donation. You know, I thought about writing a check to the Red Cross, but you compartmentalize it. You know, I've said in an interview, Mm -hmm. this is supposed to hurt for a long time. Things like this shouldn't happen. And we're supposed to feel bad about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. But. As artists, it's therapy for us and we're giving somebody something to, to remember this and memorialize it because, you know, we're really lucky. We're all very lucky to be where we are mm-hmm. in this country and where we are as people and to have and to be able to help. And that's the thing. Every penny of this is going directly to, to these people. You're, you're actually making a difference. You're ten dollars could pay someone's electric bill yeah. or could help pay for a prescription or help pay for aftercare. So it's really really important. So and hopefully the, the, we're still working out the details for the auction in May for MegaCon, but I think it's going to be a live auction on the internet as well so people who aren't even there can bid because some of these pieces are just mm. insane. That's awesome.
2: That That's sounds so amazing.
1: Yeah. So go on IDW
0: publishing publishing. Dot com and pre-order Love is Love. Oh that's, That's a great way mom. to end. I love that. Love is love. I love you both. Thank yes. you. Boys, Thanks, Drew. Thanks for having me. This was Thank awesome. you, Mark and was Lovely meeting you. Lovely meeting you, you too. Yay. Yay! We did it!
2: Feral Audio.